are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. All right, amen. Thank you, Caroline, for all your work with Vacation Bible School. And uh, welcome to those that are here in person. Welcome to those that are online as well. Uh, It's good to have you all uh, with us today, whether you're joining us uh, in person or online. If you've got a Bible, go on and turn that on or open to Joshua chapter 24. And uh, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 24 this morning. And uh, as Pastor Matt said, uh, if you are a guest with us today, there's ways for you to connect on our uh, welcome card here in the worship service, or there's a link in the post online as well, and you can turn uh, and open there. So Joshua chapter 24, we're, we're going to be. I want to take a few moments as well and just celebrate some things with you uh, to just take a moment to remind us of how faithful God is uh, and just to see some ways that he's been working in our lives. Uh, first, I am going to uh, be remiss not to thank God that uh, 17 years ago today uh, at 6.30 p.m. on Wake Forest, North Carolina at at Binkley Chapel on Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary's campus, the back doors of the chapel swung open and Sandra walked down the aisle and uh, we became man and wife. And so she was in our first service, but I know she's watching online right now. So I want to say happy anniversary again. And I love her so much. She makes me a better follower of Christ. And so we are celebrating uh, that today. Other things I think we can just step back and say, thanks, you know, thanks God for all that you're doing. Since we've returned back on campus on May 31st was kind of our comeback in our worship services. Uh, We've seen God working. Uh, We've seen two people already uh, be baptized and going public with their faith. We've got more who are, are ready to get baptized on August the 9th. Uh, We are also able to send Sonny Halford and a team of people out to start Kingdom Harvest Church since then. We've seen guests each week, whether they're online, whether they're here in the worship services. Our life groups have just been doing a fantastic job. Some are meeting in person, some are still meeting online. Uh, Some of our leaders are teaching in person, then they're teaching online. And so our life groups have just been faithful, our life group teachers I've been so faithful in that. And then as Caroline just mentioned, with Vacation Bible School, going virtual with that, you guys have done a wonderful job with filming, decorating parts we needed to decorate those sets with. Simply clicking share on Facebook has made a difference. You know, almost 200 kids registered so far. Uh, We've got, you know, multiple states, multiple cities. And so just so much we can thank God for his faithfulness on be praying about. So I want us to open in prayer and I, I want us to open in prayer from a certain verse. It's 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven through 58, where we see that Paul says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And so let's open up and ask God to bless our time. And I want you to pray with us at home as well as we're praying here. Father God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the way you have been working in the life of our church. 
uh, through this time. We can see your work. And Lord, I just thank you for the folks who have stayed so faithful as well. And, and God, how you've been able to use them. And so we, we want to pray in just thanksgiving for those that have been baptized, uh, those that are going to be baptized soon. We want to thank you for Sonny and his team uh, up in Paraland with this new work. We pray you bless that. Father, for Vacation Bible School as that's coming, Lord, we want to pray not only for boys and girls to come to know Jesus, but Father, for families, maybe as parents are going to sit down with their kids and watch this. We want to ask that you move in their minds and their hearts as well. And and Lord, we just uh, want to ask this morning that each one of us, uh, Father, we remain steadfast. Help us just to continue to press on. Father, help us to be immovable, not moving away from the Word of God, not moving away from the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to abound in your work. Help us to just continue to do what you call us to do and maybe new and different ways we're having to do it. But Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain, it's not empty, it's not worthless, but you are doing greater things than we can ever see and imagine. And so, Lord, I pray this morning as we come to your word, open our hearts, open our minds to understand it, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. We pray in Christ's name, amen and amen. When you think about decisions, we make decisions every day, all day long. Uh, Sometimes we make small decisions that carry small consequences, or we make big decisions that carry big consequences. Uh, Researchers show that you uh, make close to 35,000 decisions every day. Now, there was a study published by Cornell University in 2018 that said most people make 267 decisions every day just based on the topic of food. Okay, let that sink in. 267 decisions every day just based on the topic of food. How many of you think that's a reality? Any you think maybe that's overshooting? Okay, some of you are like, yeah, I could see that. For some of you, it's the married couples who are like, uh-huh, right? Why? Because you, you guys at home have had this happen too. Where do you want to eat? Well, I don't know. Anything's good with me. How about Italian? Ah, uh, you know, no, I had spaghetti a couple days ago. Ah, how about Mexican? Ah, I don't know. Mexican give me heartburn. Oh, well, you want to go to Whataburger? Well, no, not Whataburger. I, don't, I mean, right. You know, so you can see how 267 decisions happen in just one conversation over where you're going to eat for dinner. Right? Joshua is standing in front of the people of Israel for the last time. Uh, he has now led them into the promised land. They have fought all those military battles that they've had to fight. They've been strong and courageous like God had called them to be. He's 110 years old now. He's about to pass away. And for the last kind of speech as their leader, he's saying to them, to you, and to me, and to those watching, you got to make a decision. You have to make a choice. And that choice you have to make is whether or not you're going to worship the Lord. It's your decision, no one else's. And, and so young people, teenagers, kids that are, are here or watching at home, you got to hear me on that. That's not your parents' decision. You're not piggybacking off their faith. It's your decision. I have to decide for myself if I'm worshiping the Lord. You have to decide for yourself if you're going to worship the Lord. But you have to make a decision is what Joshua is saying. And so how do we make that decision? How do we go about making the decision to worship God. 
Well, I want you to notice what Joshua does. First, he reminds us of God's faithfulness. He said, remember God's faithfulness. I want you to pick up in verse 1 with me. He says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. They presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, and the father of Abraham and of Nor. They served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led them through all the land of Canaan and made offspring, his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. And Esau, the hill of the country of Seir, to possess, but Jacob and of his children went down to Egypt. In order to remember God's faithfulness, we have to practice every day doing that. And I think that's one reason that sometimes we don't grow as in our faith with Jesus is because we stop remembering what God has done in the past. We may get so focused on a, on a present problem that we, we forget who he is and what he's done for us in the past. And so what you're going to see in the Old Testament is a lot of times this practice of remember and tell. Remember what God's done and tell someone what God's done. That's what Joshua's doing. In verses 1 through 4, he's saying, guys, remember, God's been faithful. And he, he recounts Abraham. Now, the first time you see Abraham in the Bible, he goes by the name Abram until God changes that. But did you notice what Joshua said about Abraham? He said there was a point in Abraham's life that he worshipped false gods. There was a point he worshipped false gods, and his family did as well when they lived in Mesopotamia. But the first time you meet Abraham in the Bible, it's amazing. You don't get any backstory when you meet him for the very first time, but you get this in Genesis chapter 12, in verses 1 through 2. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go in your father's house to the land I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. What happened? God came into his life and he said, listen, I've got a better plan for you than the track you're already on. You need to go. You need to worship me. You need to obey me. And what does the Bible say Abraham did? He said he did that. He put his faith in God. He worshiped God. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. For what does the scripture say? But Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. God is faithful. Because not only did he lead Abraham into that land, but do you notice what he said in verse 3? It's, it's kind of tucked away there about God's faithfulness, about God's promise. Look again at the verse with me. As you might have missed it at first. He says near the end of verse 3, and he made his offspring many. And then I gave him Isaac. And then Isaac goes on and has two sons. There's a point in Genesis chapters 15 and 17 that God comes again to Abraham. And he says, from your lineage, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're, from your lineage, you're going to have more descendants than you can ever imagine, more than you can ever count. Now, Abraham, I know you're 100 years old. I know your wife's 90 years old. I know you guys have never had kids up to this point, but don't worry. You're going to have a kid, and from that kid is going to come a nation. Now, at what, in this point in your life, raise your hand if you would rather have kids right now where you are. Anybody? Anybody at home right where you are? Like, hey, thumbs up that if you're over the age of 60, and you're like, sign me up for a newborn, right? 
Anybody? Yeah. And the first time that God gives Abraham this promise in Genesis 15, you know what he does? He doesn't fall down and say, all right, God, I got it. Yep, yep, yeah, I'm worshiping you. You know what he does? He laughs. He says, God, come on. You're not going to do that. You know, 25 years later, they had Isaac. And then another 25 years later, they had grandkids. Let me ask you this. What you're praying about right now, you've probably had to pray about it for a while. There, there may be something on your prayer request list, whether it's, it's you here at home or, or in the worship center, that, that you've been praying a long time for. And you're thinking, God, are you ever going to answer this? God, God are you ever going to do this? And, and when you and I need to remember this today. God's faithful. But, but God doesn't work by my watch. God doesn't go by my calendar. He doesn't go by your calendar. He doesn't go by your watch. Instead of focusing on the speed of God, focus on the faithfulness of God. Instead of focusing on his speed, focus on his faithfulness. He's a faithful God. But he also protects his people. Not only does he keep his promises, he protects his people. Let's pick up in verse 6. It says, Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. You lived in the wilderness a long time. And then I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Not only is he faithful, but he protects his people. See, he had said, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to bless you. But now they're enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. But God delivers them out of Egypt, delivers them out of, of slavery from Pharaoh. He protected them. But then he also showed his power. Verse 7 talks about that, that moment in time when the people had gotten out of Egypt. And now they're, they're marching on in the Red Sea's in front of them. And Pharaoh's behind them, and they're trapped. They're pinned in. They're not going anywhere. There's no way out of this situation. But God parted the Red Sea. God showed his power. Let me ask you, are your problems bigger than God's power? Are your problems bigger and greater than his power? You know, sometimes I think we can fall into the trap that we think they are. We maybe can think, you know, I've got this big situation and this big problem. I don't know if God can take care of this. So, so here's, here's an exercise that I do because I have to work on the same things you guys have to work on. Is there's times in my prayers when I start praying and I know I'm going to bring God this, this problem or I've got this burden on me. I'll literally pray about God's power. I'll stop and I'll say, God, you know, this morning as I pray to you, Lord, help me to remember that you're the God who spoke and everything came into existence. You said, let there be light, and there was light. God, as I pray to you, help me to remember that you're the God who parted the Red Sea for the people of Israel. Help me to remember that you're the God who parted the Jordan River. Help me to remember you're the God who, when Elijah called down fire from heaven, fire came down. Help me remember that you're the God who, in the Gospels, I read about how the, you made the blind see how you made the lame walk, how you made the dead come back to life. 
How many remember today that you're the God who took just a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish and multiplied it out and fed more than 5,000 people? God, as I bring you this problem, help me to remember your power. You're a powerful God. He's a God who keeps his promises. He's a God who's faithful. He's a God who protects. He's a God who's powerful. But I want you to notice he's also a God who gives us victory. He gave them the victory. Verse 13 says, I gave you the land of which you've not labored, cities which you've not built, and you dwell in them, and you eat fruit of the vineyards and of olive orchards, and that you did not plant. Remember, he's the God who gave the people of Israel victory throughout the book of Joshua. But there were times it was still hard for them. There were times it didn't look like if if the battle was going to be won. There were times and seasons and storms that, that were tough. You know, yesterday we experienced a storm. We had part of Hurricane Hannah come through. And there's a difference between storms and seasons. I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, but I was thinking about it yesterday. See, a storm can be hard. A storm can be tough. But a storm is usually quick. It usually comes and it goes. See, you can ride out a storm. You, you can sit and just kind of check out and a storm may be over for a day. But a season is different. A season lasts. A season lingers. A season may go on for months and months and months. But a season is like a storm in this regard. A season also ends. I mean, we're in the dead of summer here in Texas, and we know our season is hot. And it's going to be a little hotter for a little longer. And then summer season will end, and it'll get a little cooler in the fall. And then we'll roll into two weeks of winter, and then we'll be back in spring, and bang, we're back in the sun, you know, the hot summer season, right? But we know sitting here on July 26, 2020, it won't be so hot in a couple of months. The season will end. You can ride out a storm. But I don't believe it honors God to ride out a season. So you have to understand right now, with everything that's going on in our world, with the pandemic we're dealing with, with the, the issues you and I are dealing with right now, we're not in a storm with this. We're in a season. It'll end. We don't know for how much longer, but it'll come to an end. So in this season... You and I have to choose to keep worshiping the Lord. We have to remember God is faithful. God protects. God provides. God gives us victory. And in the season we're in, let's continue to honor God in all that we do. He gave them victory. I love that old hymn, Victory in Jesus. He's my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my loves do him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Just like we just sang a few minutes ago, we can sing in the victory of what Christ has done through our storms and through our hard seasons. So Joshua says, remember, God's faithful. God protects, God provides, God gives victory. But now he comes to what we would call the invitation portion of the sermon. As he's giving out this sermon, he's starting to wrap it up. And he says, you've got to make a decision, though. You have to choose what you're going to do. Because pick up in verse 14 with me. He says, now, therefore, fear the Lord. 
Serve him with sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers that you've served beyond the river and serve the Lord. He's saying you've got to choose whether you're going to worship God. And and this has to be with sincerity, with faithfulness. I love the way the NIV says it. Serve him with all faithfulness. But he says if you don't want to do that, no one's going to make you do it. If you don't want to do that, then notice what he says in verse 15. Here's a choice, and it's everybody's choice. You've got to make what you're going to do. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods of your fathers that you served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He said, that's your choice. You want to serve God? Great. Serve God. Worship him. You don't want to do that? Then you're going to serve somebody else. So you're just going to pick the God you want to serve. You want to serve the God of your career? Go ahead. You want to serve the God of convenience? You want to serve the God of pleasure? You want to serve the God of money? You want to serve the God of comfort? Go ahead. But you got to understand, you're going to serve somebody. See, Joshua said, you're going to serve somebody. There was also a songwriter by the name of Bob Dylan. You know what Bob Dylan said? He agreed with Joshua. You're going to serve somebody. Because Bob Dylan wrote a song one time entitled that, Gotta Serve Somebody. Here it goes. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You might be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to serve somebody. You may be a construction worker working on a home. Might be living in a mansion. You might live in a dome. You may own guns. You may even own tanks. You may be somebody's landlord. You may be even own banks. But you're going to serve somebody. You know, Joshua said it. Bob Dylan said it. You know who else said it? The Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Paul says this, But do you not know that if you present yourselves as anyone as obedient to slaves, you're the slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you once were slaves of sin, You've become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching to which you were committed, having been set free from sin and become the slaves of righteousness. So Paul says the same thing Bob Dylan says, that the same thing that Joshua says. You either serve sin and worship it, or you serve God. You serve sin, it leads to death. You serve God, it leads to worship. Then he gives us the famous verse that's probably written in your house somewhere. It's on a coffee mug, Bible cover, koozie, t-shirt, hat, I don't know, me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. That's Joshua. He says, hey, I'm not saying this as commander-in-chief, not saying this as your president, saying as a husband, saying as dad, me and my house, we're going to serve God. What are you going to do? Well, the people say, you know what? We're going to do that. (laughs) We want to serve the Lord. We want to worship God like you worship God, Joshua. We want to worship the same God. Pick up in verse 16. It says, the people answered, well, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve God's. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and and our fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now the house of slavery who did great things in our sight preserved us in all the way we went. And among all the peoples through whom we passed. The Lord drove them out before us and all the people and the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we also, we're going to serve the Lord. Right? I mean Joshua gives the invitation and man people are flooding down front. We're going to serve God too. But I want you to notice what he says in verse 19. He says, no, you're not. No, you're not. I mean, look look what it says. 
But Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. For he's a holy God, he's jealous. He'll not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Now, I don't know if your head hurts at this moment in the text, but mine tends to to hurt when I read this. Because verse 14, Joshua said, choose who you want to serve, a false God or God. You got to choose. 16 through 18, we're all on board, Joshua. We're going to worship God. Verse 19, no, you're not. Joshua, I'm now confused. What are you doing to us? <laughs> we, we say we want to do this, but now you're telling us we don't want to do this. Uh, it, you guys have confused looks on your face. I do too. I don't know what you're looking like at home, but maybe you're just as confused. What's happening? Joshua is essentially saying this. Don't come into this half-hearted. Don't come into this thinking this is an off-and-on relationship. Don't come to God and just worship him when you want to worship him. Don't come to him and think you just give him Sunday and the rest of the week you do whatever you want to do. No, 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 no. Don't do that. That's not the way this works. And see, Joshua is not the only one who said this. Jesus said the same thing. If you got your Bible on or you got it open, let's go to Luke chapter 14. Because in Luke chapter 14, there's a crowd around Jesus. And there was often a crowd around Jesus because, you know, there's people who wanted to come to Christ for many things, to be healed, see a miracle, maybe hear a good teaching, get a prayer request answered. But Jesus often does this to crowds. He really puts it on the line, lays it out there. In Luke chapter 14, verse 25, he gives us the cost of discipleship. He says, now great crowds accompanying him and turned to And said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What he's getting at is this, he's got to have first place. He's got to have first priority above anybody else. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation, he's not able to finish it. And all who see it begin to mock, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. For what king has gone out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20. And if not... Whether the other is great way off, and he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is saying, look, if I don't have first place, if you've not sat down and really counted the cost of this, you can't be my disciple. Joshua says the same thing. You can't come half-hearted at this. You have to choose which side you're on. Timmy was super disappointed when he got to his aunt's wedding. And he was really upset. He was eight years old, and he put on his nice gray suit, and he was just ready to be an usher at his aunt's wedding. And when he got there at the church that day, they informed Timmy that he couldn't be an usher. And he was sad. He was just standing in the back, kind of, you know, moping, had his bottom lip out, and kind of shuffling his feet, looking at the ground, and when another usher walked up to him, he said, Timmy, come here, come here, come here. He said, hey, how about you help me out? I'll show you how to do this. Does that sound good? And Timmy said, yeah, that, that sounds great. Let, let, me, let me be an usher with you. 
And so the, that friend comes to him. He says, okay, here's what we do. When a guest walks in, you ask them, are you a guest of the bride or are you a guest of the groom? And if they say, I'm a guest of the bride, you sit them on this side of the church. If they say they're guests of the groom, you sit them on that side of the church. You got it? Timmy's like, yeah, I got it. All right, I can do this. So he is standing by the church doors in the back, and I mean, he's excited, he's ready to go, he's ready for that first guest to come out, and then all of a sudden, the back doors open, and the light kind of is blinding him in just a little bit, and there she walks. First guest into the wedding, and Timmy comes right up to her, and he looks at her, and he says, ma'am, which side are you on? Which side are you on today? Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God? Or are you going to serve the false gods that are in your life? Whose side are you on? You know, I love what Ephesians 2, 4 through 8 teaches. It teaches us that we can go all in for God because God's gone all in for us. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace you've been saved and raised us up and with him and seated us with heavenly places in Christ so that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. This morning you might say, listen, I I can't worship him. I, I can't follow him like I should. I can't do that every day. Well, exactly, you can't. (laughs) That's why when you give your life over to Jesus Christ, He puts the Holy Spirit in you, and He says, all right, now through the Holy Spirit, you can. I love what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This morning, go all in. You've got to decide, who are you going to worship? You might be sitting here worshiping today, but tomorrow when you wake up, who are you going to worship? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that as we conclude the book of Joshua, that we see you are, you are faithful. You kept your promises. You protected your people. You gave them victory. Lord, this morning as we come to the end of our service, we have to decide who we're going to worship. Not only just in this moment, but tomorrow when we wake up. In the next day, in the next. And so, Father, I pray for those that are watching online. I pray for those that are here. That, Lord, we choose you. Father, we thank you. Ephesians 2 tells us that you chose us. And when we choose you and we come to Christ, that is no longer us who lives, but it is Christ who lives in us. So I'm going to invite you right now where you are to pray. Whether you're here in the worship center, you can pray at home where you are. And go on and answer that question. Who are you going to worship? Who are you going to give your life to? Who are you going to give your mind to? Who are you going to give your heart to? Who are you going to give everything to? As you're praying about that, maybe for the very first time, you need to come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. 
You've not made that a commitment. As others are right now praying, they've committed their lives to Christ before, but they're kind of renewing that commitment. Maybe today you need to do that for the very first time. In your home where you are in this worship center, whenever you listen to this service, you can call out to the Lord wherever you are and say, God, I need to be saved. I need to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and today I'm placing my life in His hands. I'm going all in for Jesus. And the Bible says that when you do, and you place your faith in Christ, that you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven of your sin. You have new life with Christ. As Paul says in Galatians 2.20, it's now Christ that lives in you, and you have eternal life with God now and forever. And so I'm going to encourage you to pray that right where you are. Father, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for what you do. I want to thank you for choosing us, showing yourself faithful to us, protecting us, providing for us, giving us victory in Jesus over death and over sin and over hell forever. And Lord, help us each day to choose to worship you and you alone. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.